Hey, this is Paul Doherty. I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. So I need your help this morning. Put your Bible down for a second. Put your phone down. Put your notepad down. I'm going to need your hands this morning. You guys ready for this? When I come to your section, I'm going to show you something to do with your hands, and I want you to do it because what's going to happen is as we collectively each do our part, we're going to start to feel something in the room. We're going to stir something up, okay? Come on, give yourselves a big hand. You're like, what just happened? We just made it rain right here at Victory. Come on. Did you notice how when each of us started to do our part collectively, there was a sound that started to happen? Did you know when the church starts moving, everyone doing their part, there's a sound that starts to happen in the city? There's a sound that starts to happen in the neighborhoods. There's a sound of compassion that starts to move through the streets. There's a sound of transformation. There's a sound of victory. There's a sound of salvation. There's a sound of grace. There's a sound of hope that starts to move. We were called to make it rain as the church here at Victory in Tulsa, in Oklahoma, in the United States of America, in the nations of the world. You say, what do you mean make it rain? You know, rain in the Bible represented really the grace of God, the favor of God. When it rained, it was a beautiful thing. I'm telling you this, the revival that you're waiting on, that we're waiting on, it's really waiting on the church to step into their place that they've been graced to be a part of. Everybody say, grace for your place. Today we're going to talk about where grace leads us, how grace not only covers our sin, not only is the unmerited favor of God, in other words, we didn't earn that grace, but grace is also the divine influence on the heart to step into the place that God has for you. Grace gives you a place not just of righteousness, right, because righteousness means I'm right standing with God. Grace also gives me a place, a part in God's big plan for this world. So I used to be a part of a band, and I wanted the band to stay up here today because I want to show you something. When I was in the band, we used to all practice our parts. Everybody had a part to play in the band. And so I want to show you what happens as each band member starts playing their part because if you have a Bible, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Yeah, we get loud when we open up the Word. And those of you that are watching online, we want you to open your Bible with us. Romans 12 verse 6 says, we all have different gifts according to the grace that's been given to us. We all have different gifts. We all have a part to play. So when I was in this band, we were traveling and we were practicing. Each part had a part to play. And when one band member started to play, the next band member would find his part in connection to what the other band member was playing. So let's try it out right here live. I want our bass player to come in and give us something. Yeah. Mm. Crank up that bass. All right, let's get some more instruments. Come on, what's the next instrument that's gonna go? Some keys, some synthesizers? Oh yeah, I like that. Let's get some more instruments. We got some drums? Come on, Brandon, get on those drums. 
but it needs something more. So bass, come in, bass, come in. All right, synthesizer. church? Yeah, we're going to have fun this summer. We're going to have some fun. All right. But the point of this is that everyone was graced for a certain place. If the electric guitarist would have tried to play the drums, which he's not that good at the drums. He's one of my closest friends. He's okay, but he's graced. <laughs> he's graced for the electric guitar. When he gets on that guitar and, man, he starts soloing, he is gifted for that electric guitar. The keyboardist, if the keyboardist tried to play the bass, no offense, but he would be off. It wouldn't sound very good. He's gifted. He's graced for the keyboards. Can I tell you, God has graced you with specific gifts? Like you have a gift that is valuable and needed in the church. And this is what Paul says. So go with me to Romans 12, um, verse, verse 3. Let's back up before verse 6. He says this in verse 3. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us. So he says God's got something for you. And you got to remember, you find yourself in God. It's not what we do and, and who we are, um, but it's him. So keep going with me here. He says in this way, we're like various parts of a human body. So I used a band but now Paul's talking about a body. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's, he's talking to believers. How many in this room are believers in God? Okay. All right, so you're on your journey. Some of you aren't believers, but listen, this message is for both. Because what I want you to know, if you're an unbeliever, you're welcome in this church. We're not just a church for people who behave or believe. You can belong here even before you behave or believe. But once you start coming, God wants you to start leaning in and using the gifts and talents he's put inside you. So he says, each part of the body gets its meaning from the body as a whole. So the thing I'm part of is bigger than the part I play. So I'm a part of the body when I show up. And when he says body, he's referring to the church. Every time you see the word body in the New Testament, just fill in the blank church. Who's the church? Who's the church? You and I are the church. We're the body. We're, you and I are the, the church is not a building. It's not the 11 a.m. service. The church is a gathering of believers. Everybody say, we are the church. So how many of y'all have ever heard that Casting Crown song? If we are the body, why aren't his hands? Anyone sing that song? All right. K-Love, K-X-O-J. All right, cool. Uh, so when we sing that song, what, what we're saying is we're the body of Christ. We're the church. It's not a building. It's you and I. And we all have a meaning. We all have something to do. So the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. That's us. Then he says each of us finds our meaning. Everybody say meaning. And function. So you have a meaning, not just to show up and listen to a sermon. You have a meaning and a function in the church. Every believer has a meaning and a function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? And I want to stop right there. Because I remember when I was mowing lawns with my brother John and he chopped his finger off. And I want to just tell you, it was crazy. He was in the backyard pushing the lawnmower, and uh, it took us a while to start our lawnmower. And it was, you know, you had to push it, and you had to pull the thing, get it started. And grass had gotten clogged up underneath it, and so he didn't want to turn off the lawnmower. He just wanted to pull the grass out while the lawnmower was still on. I'm in the front yard. I'm weed eating. I got my goggles on. I'm edging the yard. 
And he sticks his finger under there and the blade chops off half of his middle finger. I know, so then it's, it's literally hanging by a thread. I'm not flipping you off this morning. I'm just showing you which one it was. Okay, so he comes running to the front yard. He goes, Paul, call the ambulance. I thought, he was a, I thought he was joking. I was like, that's a good prank. Where'd you buy that fake, you know, bloody finger? I thought he was kidding because the blood was splurting. It looked so fake. And he goes, Paul, my blankety blank finger is falling off, you know. And I'm keeping it like PG rated, but he was mad at me. And all of a sudden I realized this is real. So I start crying. He's like, why are you crying? I'm the one with the bloody finger that's falling off. And I'm like, John, it's emotional. I'm sorry, man. And, you know, he's like, oh, my. He wanted to kill me in that moment. And we're just a year apart. And, and so he says, call the ambulance. Well, I didn't have my phone. And so I start knocking on doors, and then it dawned on me, all the lawns we were mowing on that street were houses that hadn't sold yet. There was a guy that hired us to mow the lawns so that he could sell the houses. So no one's in these houses. I'm knocking on the doors. After 15 minutes, John's screaming. He's like, no one lives in any of those houses. So then I, I'm feeling like an idiot. So I run out to the road on, on Sheridan and, or, or wherever, Yale, and, and I'm waving down a car and finally get someone to call the ambulance. And, and the ambulance took forever to get there. And I know it's not their fault. They had a lot of stuff going on. So John said, just hold the water over my finger. We found one house that had the water turned on. So I pull out the hose, had the water hose. I put my thumb on top of the, the, the top of it and it just goes and it, it knocks his finger off. He goes, put my dang finger back on my body. I'm sorry. Excuse the language. He's like, put the finger back on my body. I'm like, I'm sorry. And I'm trying to pick up the finger. Oh, this was such a morbid moment. And the ambulance shows up. They're like, yeah, that finger's gone. Just forget about it. It's over. And, and John goes, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. My middle finger will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. <laughs> Come on. So amazingly, they sewed his finger and it works. And he's using it for the right reasons today. But, but for real, when the finger was on the ground, you're like... There he is right there. Come on, Johnny. <laughs> but, but you're like, what does this have to do with the sermon? I'm getting there. As a chopped off finger, what would it do? In other words, what Paul's saying here is we're meant to be together. Like this church following Jesus, it's not meant to be a solo act, Han Solo. It's meant to be a together thing. You and I, we're supposed to be connected. What good is a chopped off finger, he's saying? What good is a cut off toe? It can't really do much. You and I, we're meant to do church together. And, and AJ, will you hop up here? Because you helped me last week. And I've got this teeter-totter again. And we talked about how Jesus brings us grace and truth. And how the teeter-totter, when you get off of the teeter-totter of good and bad. And some days worthy, unworthy. Some days you feel like you've impressed God or you've disappointed God. Once you get on that place where you start resting in God's grace. You start living in a balance, in a groove of grace. But one thing that grace does is it gives us a place in God's kingdom. Imagine if I was just on the teeter-totter all by myself, I wouldn't be able to do anything, right? You can't do the seesaw by yourself. It's meant to be a together thing. So AJ, hop on here. Because this is really what God wants us to do. He wants us to find our place in the body of Christ 
where I'm lifting up someone, they're lifting me up. Some days I'm building them, other days they're building me. We're called to be pouring into each other. The other day I was watching this cartoon with my kids, and on the cartoon it, it had Mickey Mouse working on a railroad train, and every time that he would go down, the, the train would move forward. As they were moving back and forth, the train would move forward. When you get in your place in God's kingdom, you start moving forward the purpose God has for you. Come on, give AJ a big hand. Everybody say grace for your place. So watch what he says next here in the next verse. He says, since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Now listen, he's going to list the enemies that try to stop you from receiving the grace to step into your place. He said, and let's not be envious, and let's not be prideful comparing ourselves with each other. Guys, comparison is a dead-end road. Comparison is a thief to finding your place in the body of Christ and recognizing the value that you have. When you're comparing what you do and what others do, or you're comparing where you're at, where others are at, you're constantly either walking in envy or walking in pride. Well, I'm better than them. Well, I'm doing more than they're doing. Or, man, they're doing more than me. Or they're getting more notoriety or more importance. He said, let's stop that. Because it's going to stop us from doing what God's called us to do. And let's stop trying to be something we aren't. And then he begins to list seven ways to serve in the church. He says, if you're going to preach, then preach God's word. If you're going to help, then just help. Don't try to take over. If you're going to teach, stick to your teaching. He starts to go through these ways that people can serve. So what he meant by saying you're graced for a place is meaning that you're graced for a place to serve in the body of Christ. In other words, there's no bench warmers in Christianity. All of us are called to participate in what God's doing. So I want to do a shout out this morning to all those that serve in this church because every part is valuable and important. If you serve anywhere in this ministry, would you stand up? And I want to just honor greeters, ushers, parking lot team, altar ministry, children's church, nursery, dream center. Stay standing. Come on, all over this room. I want to come out here. Stay standing. Where do you serve? Prayer. Prayer. Where? Lead prayer. Lead prayer. Come on. We can't do church without prayer warriors. Every time you experience anything powerful in a service, it's because there's people behind the scenes that are praying on a daily basis. This church needs you. Where do you serve, David? Usher. 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 Come on. Usher. Give it up for the ushers that help make it happen. Where do you serve, man? Senior ministry. Senior ministry. Come on, we need more serving in the senior adults. Okay, where do y'all serve? Ushers for 21 years. Ushers for 21 years. Praise God. Talk about commitment right there. Because of you, we're all here today. Praise God. It's not about a preacher on a stage, guys. It's about everyone doing their part. Ross. Connect team. Connect team. Victory downtown. Victory downtown. Come on, I love it. Joshua. Single parent ministry. Single parent ministry. Hey, by the way, guys, we've got a big hot air balloon festival coming up in June that the single parent ministry has helped get connected here at this church. It's going to be phenomenal. Thank you guys for serving the single parents. All right, how about right here? Usher. Usher. You're awesome. Come on, I can't do it without you, bro. We're a team. We're a team. Greeter. Greeter. Over here. Teach and lead the before you say I do class. Come on. Man, can I say something about the before you say I do class? 
If you're engaged or about to get engaged, don't look at your boyfriend right now if he hasn't asked. <laughs> but one of the best things you can do is go through this class. And even after you get married, go through yeah. this class. Yeah. Ashley and I went through it, and it changed. It so impacted our relationship leading up to the wedding. And even after the wedding, we continued to stay connected in this class. So powerful. Every part to play. Everyone does something amazing. Come on. This is my bro, right? This is my man. This is his section right here. He's the pastor of this section. Okay, tell me what you do. I work in the school, our school, Victory. Come on. And you also serve here at the 11 a.m. service. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amazing. Amazing. You got your whole family connected here. Yes, sir. It's amazing. Where's your family at? There they are, right there. Come on. All on that row. Hey, church, all of us have a part to play. Thank you so much. Everyone who serves on the Dream Team, thank you so much. We could go around this room and find out a hundred plus different ways to serve in the body of Christ. I mean, everything. There's nursing homes. There's hospital ministry. There's children's church. There's all kinds of ways to get plugged in. And can we stop putting all the emphasis on the stage? Because the stage is not the most, oftentimes we think visible means more valuable. But the reality is, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that the parts of the body that are least visible are oftentimes the most valuable and important parts for the body. You don't see my brain, but I can't function without my brain, right? I mean, you see my face, come on right here. But this face is nothing without the brain. I mean, the brain is what helps my face to have expression, that, that helps move my mouth and gives me the ability to hear, to listen, to see. And my heart, you don't see my heart, but I can't live without my heart, right? I mean, there's internal things that no one else sees, but those are the parts that help make the church work. I, I just really felt this weekend just to remind you that you have a part to play in the church. And I can't force you to do it. I don't want to manipulate you to do it, but I want to point you to the scriptures that really teaches us to step in and take responsibility to be a part of what God is doing. So he says this. I want to go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 because Paul kind of starts talking to this church, and I was going to title this sermon Dear Church because that's really who he's talking to. Dear Church, I've got a letter for you. Because some of the members, they were complaining, they were bickering, I'm not on the stage, I'm not getting to do the part that I love to do, I'm not leading worship. And, and so Paul starts to talk to them. <laughs> and he has some pretty intense words to say. He says, okay, friends, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other. So there was like divisive things happening, people were getting offended, leaving the church. And he says, listen, you're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Do you hear what Paul's saying to these adults? I mean, he's literally saying, you look like you're still on your mom's breast, getting breast milk. You're like, why are you saying that right now, Paul? Because it's in the Bible. Just write an email to the Bible if you find it offensive. But listen, he says, Paul, I mean, imagine the illustrated sermon in this moment. Don't, no, don't imagine it. I'm sorry. He says, well, then I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. I mean, Paul is being extremely kind of funny. Like he's being funny with the church. He's like, guys, come on. At some point, I mean, a 12-year-old should not still be breast. I mean, okay, all right, let's just move on. Um, <laughs> the bottom line is Paul's saying, let's grow up. 
let's mature. Let's stop being all consumed with, let's stop majoring on the minors. He says, as long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important. So people were really looking for ways to look important. They were trying to grab positions and titles as if that's what defines our value. He says, aren't you, are, are you really much different than a babe at the breast, content only when everything's going your way? So here's where he's going with this. He's saying, guys, church is not all about you. For all the believers in the room, church is not all about you. And if you're going to church and it's like, well, what's in it for me? How come they're not doing it my way? How come they're not singing my songs? And how come they haven't desperately begged me to put me in a place and figured out all my spiritual giftings to make sure that I'm in the place that I love? Paul's like, man, just get involved. Come with a, not a who's gonna serve me mentality, but how can I serve you mentality. Come with a, not a here I am mentality, but a there you are mentality. He says, let's grow up from being consumer Christians to being contributor Christians. And then he says this, he says, when one of you says I'm on Paul's side, and then another says I'm for Apollos, he says, this is infantile, this is childish. And you know what, this happens at times where we, we put so much emphasis, we idolize personalities instead of really falling in love with Jesus. And it's like, well, I'm for Pastor Paul. Well, I'm for Pastor Sharon. Well, I'm with this group and I'm with that group. Well, I'm part of the older group. Well, I'm part of the younger group. No, no, no. There are no groups. We're all part of the same body of Christ. We are one church. There's no Team Paul, Team Sharon, Team Young, Team Old, Team this race, Team that race. We are all Team Jesus. He's the head of the church and we're getting involved and we're moving forward with God's love. That's what it looks like to be a mature Christian is to stop picking teams, to stop trying to divide sides in the church, to stop trying to bicker and complain, and to start getting involved with what God wants to do in you and through you. So he says, guys, this is infantile. Let's stop this. By, by the way, he says, listen, who do you think Paul is anyway? Or Apollos for that matter. We are servants. That's all we are. We're both just servants who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust your lives to our mutual master. We each carried out our servant assignment. Our servant assignment. Every single one of us in this room has a servant assignment. In other words, we're called to serve each other as we, as we receive the grace of God. It's so amazing, right? God pours his grace out, not like an eyedropper, but like a fire hydrant. It's so amazing. It spills over and it gives us a place to serve other people in the church. And so he says, guys, we're all servants. You know, when we announced who's coming to speak at the conference these last few years, we didn't say who's speaking when. And there's a reason behind it. Because we don't want you to major on the wrong thing. We do a free conference, which no one does these days. <laughs> I mean, very few people do. But I mean, the first week we announced who's coming to speak at the Victory Conference, we said, you know, T.D. Jakes is coming, Stephen Furtick, Jensen Franklin, John Bevere. I mean, like more than 100, like 1,000 plus calls and emails. Who's speaking when? I'm only showing up when so-and-so's there. And I'm only going to be there when so-and-so's the speaker. And I'm not coming until you tell me the schedule of who's speaking when. And I'm thinking to myself, God's probably laughing in heaven. Going, are you kidding me? Get off the breast milk. He's like, come on, guys. Stop idolizing personalities and start worshiping Jesus. I'm coming to the conference because Jesus is going to be there. I'm going to lean in because the presence of God is going to show up. I'm going to study. the. I'm excited, not because of who's coming. It's going to be amazing. They're great preachers. It's okay to like preachers, but don't make them the key reason you show up to church. 
Don't make them the key reason that you're going to come and get something from God. God wants to do something in your life every single time you gather with believers because we are the church. And not only does he want to give you something, he wants to move through you to give through you something for someone else. At the end of this service, I'm going to ask you to turn and encourage someone and pray for someone on your road because God wants to move through you today and not just move in you. You have a place by the grace of God to serve in the church. He said, listen, I plant the seed, Apollos waters the plants, but God made you grow. So fall in love with Jesus and let it spill over to love other people. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. So when I was a teenager, I idolized the stage. I wanted to be on the stage. I thought the stage was the most important part to play in the church. And when I was walking around the room and hearing people that served as ushers and greeters, honestly, I was so immature in my faith that I just thought, well, I would rather serve on the stage because that's, you know, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be not on the stage. And so I tried out for the worship team. I thought that place, you know, would be the best thing for me. Well, my sister was the judge at the tryouts. And she said, hey, Paul, you didn't make the band. There's not a space for you on the stage. But we could use you as a greeter at the youth group. I said, what? Ruthie, I'm your brother. I went home that night. I said, Dad, you need to fire Ruthie. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She rejected me. And my dad laughed. He's like, it's good for you to be rejected, son. I was like, what? You need to be rejected, Dad. You know, and I'm like getting in this fight with my dad. And and he's like, no, Paul. He's like, rejection's good for you. And he goes, plus, you need to realize that the stage is not the main place. He's like, Paul, the, the stage is not the place where ministry happens. It's off the stage. It's out there. It's the greeters. It's the parking lot team. And I said, no, Dad, no. I, I want to be on the stage. And he goes, the fact that you want to be on the stage means you don't need to be on the stage. <laughs> Let that sink in. If you're in a season right now where you're craving to be on the stage, could it be that God's saying, that's exactly why I don't have you on the stage right now? Because I want you to find there's value serving behind the scenes. So I tried out for the worship team on the stage three more times, four times in one year, and I still didn't make it. And they told me I need to humble myself. And I came in the fourth time. I said, I'm really humble. I'm like the most humble guy in the whole youth group. And they were like, get off the stage. So I did. And I started greeting. And I'm going somewhere with this because this is where I want to lead you at the end of this right here. When I started greeting, man, I fell in love with what God was doing through me to minister to people. I found my instrument. I was playing and other people were playing their instruments and there was just this harmony of us serving in the youth group. And I started meeting these teenagers from Skyatook, Oklahoma. Anyone from Skyatook in the house today? Oh, we need to, we need to get some more Skyatook people up in here. But um, I, started, I started greeting and... And I met these sky took teenagers, and there was like three or four of them. And man, I just had a, a burden in my heart where I felt like no one's mentoring them, no one's pastoring them. So I went to my youth pastor, and I said, hey, someone needs to do something about this. The church needs to mentor these teenagers. The church needs to pastor these teenagers. And you know what he said to me. He said, who's the church, Paul? I said, you are, man. You're the pastor. <laughs> he said, Paul, usually what you complain about is the very thing God's calling you to be a solution for. Usually, the thing that you complain about is the very thing God's called you to be a solution for. If you're called to teach, then teach. If you're called to sing, then sing. If you're called to greet, then greet. And as you start serving, you'll start to realize what makes you frustrated. Because what makes you frustrated is usually the thing that God's saying, that's where I want you. No one's doing men's ministry around here. 
then you need to start serving the men. You need to start leading a men's ministry connect group. No one's ministering at the nurse homes, nursing homes, right? The thing you complain about is the thing God's calling you to get involved in. There's not enough people mentoring the kids in children's church. That's where we need you because that's where God's stirring a complaint in your heart. So what I did was I started mentoring these teenagers in Skyatude. No one paid me. It wasn't a staff position, volunteer. I just start driving out there, using my own gas money. Man, hanging out with these teenagers and getting them to talk to their friends about Jesus, starting a connect group in Skyatude High School. We started getting more kids. They started carpooling with their parents. We had so many kids. I went to my youth pastor and said, we gotta get a bus to Skyatude. He said, who's gonna get the bus? I said, you are, man, you're the church. He said, no, you are. You're the church. I said, give me some money and I'll get a bus. So we ended up finding a way to get a bus to pay for the gas money. We packed that bus out with 50 teenagers from Skyatook, Oklahoma, coming to youth group, getting saved, getting set free from drug addiction, sexual addiction, porn addiction. I'm telling you, revival started when I stepped into the place that I was graced to be. There is revival waiting on you to step into your place. Revive. Someone's destiny is waiting on you to realize you have been graced for a place. I want the band to come up because this is what God wants to speak to you, really. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm almost done. He says, in light of all of this, church, again, dear church, in light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. And all of you in the room that love to kind of take notes and say, okay, what's my takeaway, Paul? What do I need to do? Here's what I want you to do, church. I'm locked up in here as a prisoner for Christ, but I want you to get out there. In other words, get out of your house, get out of your comfort zone, get out of this what's in it for me Christianity, and I want you to start walking this thing out. By the way, we have a walk it out outreach happening this upcoming Saturday. It's available for any of you to come and serve. What are we gonna do? We're gonna go to North, South, East and West Tulsa, and we are gonna shower our city with the love of God. It's gonna be powerful. We're gonna have multiple outreaches that you can be a part of. All you gotta do is show up. And this is what Paul says, he says, I just want you to show up and walk this thing out. And he says, better yet, instead of just walking it out, I want you to run this thing out because we're out of time. Like we are running out of time. Did anyone see the NBA game the other night when LeBron looked at J.R. Smith and was like, come on, where's the guys at that watch the NBA game? J.R. Smith was not aware of the time and of the score and LeBron's going come on bro pay attention to the scoreboard and I think God's saying this to us right now come on church pay attention to the scoreboard it's not a time to sit on your hands it's not a time to be a bench warmer it's a time to get in the game it's a time to stop just strolling through Christianity wandering and blaming everyone that you're not involved start taking ownership and finding your place he says no bench warmers here I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Okay, so number one, Paul's calling us to be committed. Jesus is calling us to be committed. I'm gonna give you three things that God graces you where he places you. He graces you to be committed to the place that he has you committed. So he says, I want you to do this with some discipline. I want you to show up, not just when you feel like it, not just when it's convenient. You might take a vacation this summer, but don't take a vacation from God. If you're out of town on a Sunday, tune in online. Talk to a friend. When you can, show up and serve in some way. It's not even for me, it's for you. 
Because I'm telling you, as you start to serve, you're gonna find so much more meaning and purpose in your life when you start giving out spiritually to help other people find God and experience his love. Number two, he says, commit, be connected. God wants us to be connected. So watch what Paul says next in this passage. I wanna show you what he says. He says, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other. Remember, the teeter-totter only works when there's two people. It's supposed to be a together thing. God wants you to be connected. This summer, this fall, your entire Christian life, it's not meant to be just a solo act, always singing that one line, don't none go with me, still I will follow, right? Don't none go with me, still I will follow. And yet God's like, there's people with you right now. So get to know them. They're sitting on your row. Find out some of their names. Let them know your name. Be connected in the body of Christ. Start a connect group. If you don't have one, start one. Get in one. Get connected. Then he says this. He says, when you notice differences, be quick at mending fences. So don't be offended. You're called to travel all on the same road in the same direction. We're called to stay together, outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then Paul starts to talk about the roles in the church. And here's the third thing. So we're called to be committed, connected, and number three, contributing. As a follower of Christ, I am meant to be a contributor in some way. And you might say, Paul, I don't have much to contribute. I mean, listen, Paul, I'm, 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 I'm really tight on finances, so I can't contribute. Find some way to contribute. Energy, encouragement, exhortation. When you come, pray with somebody. That's a way to contribute is just praying for those that are hurting, that are going through battles. Serving in the children's church. Paul, I don't have much time to contribute. I'm in a busy season. I got like 20 kids. If you have 20 kids, that's amazing. Because um, it's a lot with three kids. But we find ways to contribute. I'm encouraging people. I'm mentoring someone. I'm looking for ways to give out, to pour out. There was this boy who was running in the Special Olympics. And he was, uh, he was ahead of most of the pack, most of the other boys. And he's running down this track. And the whole stands was cheering on this boy. And it was so special because he was, he was such a... A, a cool kid that everybody was really, you know, wanting this guy to win. And he was ahead of everyone, but all of a sudden he heard something behind him. One of the boys tripped and, and tripped over like two other three, three, three more kids, and they all had fallen down. And instead of this boy who's in the Special Olympics finishing first ahead of everyone, he turned around, went back and lifted up the other three or four boys with special needs, and all four of them just began to walk together and the entire stands just erupted in tears and cheers as the four of these boys finished together. You know, I think about how in the church, it's not about a competition or a race of who's gonna get there first. It's about us all working together, flowing together, finding our place, picking each other up, moving forward. Last night, this father came to service in our Saturday night service and we were doing water baptisms and um, it looked like all the baptisms were over, but all of a sudden this guy comes in in the last second with his son. And I think we got a picture of it, but this, this older gentleman comes in with his son and they come walking in together and, and he wanted to get baptized. And it meant so much to me because guys, I wanna encourage you, when you saw everyone stand up serving in this church, we're a multi-generational church. There's room in this church for every age group to get involved. 
I'm waiting for some of you that have taken a step back and said, well, it's the millennials turn. No, it's all of our turns. It's not just millennials, it's all of us, baby members, every generation. I want you to find your place in this church. You say, well, well who's gonna tell me what? You gotta start getting involved. You gotta take a step.